0: Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. It's good to see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If this is your first time with us, we're so glad you're here. Uh, Today, we are concluding our series, Defining Jesus. And if you want to follow along, there'll be uh, Bible notes up in the Bible app if you want to hit that QR code. And, uh, of course, if you've got a good old-school Bible, that cannot hurt either. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 15 today. And before I jump in and pray, I want to read the word of the Lord for us. John 15, starting in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he will take away. Whoever abides in me and I in him, they will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Father, we pray now in the name of Jesus that you would make your word alive in our hearts. And that no matter where we are in our journey with Jesus or perhaps toward Jesus or even away from Jesus, that today we would encounter the living God together in this moment and that there will be a genuine opportunity for total transformation that our lives would not be the same. Father God, humble me beneath your hand, hide me beneath your hand so that you might be front and center before your people. We ask all of these things in the precious and matchless name of Jesus and the people of God say it together, amen. I'm gonna start with a question today that might feel rhetorical. Do you know what you and me and nearly everyone in the world has in common? Do you know what that is besides humanity itself? Do you know what we have in common? The, the thing that we have in common is we want to make an impact in the world. You want to impact this world. The vast majority of humans do. It is why people leave vast endowments or put their names on buildings or I I believe it's even a good deal of what the generations behind us feel that social media may do for them, an opportunity to leave a mark in this world. You want to leave a mark and deeper still, deeper still, I believe that you want to make a lasting difference in the lives of other people. In fact, so profound is this truth that a mountain of research has connected making a difference in the lives of others to everything from happiness to a sense of fulfillment to even our lifespan. There's even evidence that suggests that when you add value to other people's lives that it promotes physiological changes in your brain. Those who invest in making a difference in the lives of others are also better able to handle life's up and downs and the variables that we face on a daily basis. And lastly, one study compared retirees older than the age of 65. I think we have like three people in this church that fits this category who, amen, shout out to y'all. Thank y'all for tolerating us. One study compared older retirees, older than 65, who volunteered with those who did not. Listen to this. Volunteers scored significantly higher in life satisfaction, in the will to live. They had fewer symptoms of depression, anxiety, and somatization. Somatization being those physiological and emotional and mental things starting to show up in the function of their body. And because there was no difference in this study, there was no difference in demographics or background variables between these two groups, the researchers had to conclude that it was their volunteer activity, i.e., Making a difference, a lasting impact in the lives of others that help to explain these health benefits. So if we share the desire to make a lasting difference in the lives of others, and it has been proven, not only proven that doing so adds value to the lives of others, but it also benefits us in every area of mental and emotional wellness, then the question we have to ask ourselves is why are we not doing this at a greater rate? Why are we not more active in investing our lives into the well-being of other people? Why are people more often selfish and self-focused rather than selfless and others-focused? Why is it so dang hard to move people toward others in service? Well, simply put, we have a problem. Though we have an innate desire to add value to others, making a difference in the lives of other people, is challenging, isn't it? It's difficult. Challenging because we live in an overbusy, extraordinarily hurried society that will not slow down long enough for us to make a lasting impression on anybody else. Challenging because perhaps we have not done the work to discover the unique gifts and talents that God has placed inside of us that we are meant to use to impact the lives of others. Growth track, anybody? Challenging. I believe most of all because we are living, listen, we are living and doing life in our own strength. And in fact, I believe that that is the greatest challenge. That we are living and doing life in our own strength. And so we burn out before we're ever afforded the opportunity to burn bright. And how does that leave us feeling? Apathetic. On our best days, listen, apathetic on our best days, annoyed at even the idea of doing something for somebody else on our worst. Or maybe that's just me. But I believe everyone should be able to add value to others. I believe every single one of you is called to make a difference in the world. It is why we were created. And I get it, man, I get it. I understand the disconnect between that innate desire but often feeling like you don't know where to start or how to navigate the challenges or, or how to find the time and the energy to give any more than I'm already giving. Raising children takes a vast amount, right? Any mothers or toddlers in here praying for strength for the day? I get it. And if I can be honest today, can I be honest today? Can I be honest in this place? I don't know. All right. There have been more times in my life than I can count that I've been doing this in my own strength. Shamefully so. But if I don't say it out loud, you'll never be honest with yourself. Shamefully so. And because I was working in my own strength, I couldn't get done what God had for me to do and I burned myself out trying. In fact, in the fall of 2015, in the fall of 2015. If you don't know, it's approximately 18 years ago, uh, because of the decade that was COVID. Um, <laughs> in the fall of 2015, I hit a wall. I was tired. I was depressed. There was a bunch of Sundays, honestly, and Brianna could tell you this that I didn't know how I was going to show up and do what I was supposed to do. And the feeling went through the fall, well into the winter, and. And I told one of my mentors that I just didn't have the gas to keep going. In fact, I said, maybe I'm just not built for this. Maybe I'm not built for this thing. And one day he called me, and he asked me a simple but ultimately profound question right along the lines of what I've already shared with you. He said, I hear everything that you're saying. Whose strength are you working? Now, of course, my response was, you just wake up and choose violence? I could have used a gentle word. (laughs) I'm in a fragile state. (laughs) Whose strength are you working in? I replied after a breath, you know, those replies that you give when you know what it is, but you don't feel like dealing with it at the time. I'm glad we're in honest house. I replied after one breath, what do you mean? He said again, whose strength are you serving in? It took a third ask for me to finally confess. Mine. Mine. I have just been doing and going and working without at all tapping into the source of my strength. I've been thinking about that song. You are... The source of my strength. You gotta sing it like that. Now, if you can't do that, run, you just listen to somebody else do it. You are the strength of my life. I lift my hands. Yeah. Y'all can't get that loan, okay? You can't get down there. <laughs> Listen, I said, I haven't been tapping into the source of my strength. Then he said this to me. He said to me what I want to say to you today. He said, hey, son, stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to the vine. In fact, I dare you to turn to two or three people and say, Stay connected. Stay connected, stay connected, stay connected to the vine. You see, if, a, if, if, if you stay connected to the vine, you can do anything. You can make a lasting difference in the lives of other people. You can change the world. But disconnected from the vine. You can do nothing of lasting value. And that brings us to our text today. After promising his brothers that he would return for them, if you weren't with us last week, Jesus told them, I'm leaving. I don't want to go back into it. We had a good time, didn't we? I'm leaving. I'm leaving, but I'll be back. I'm going away to prepare your suite, but I'll be back. After telling his brothers he would return for them, Jesus says his final I am statement. We read it together. I am the vine. The question is, though, what does Jesus mean when he says I am the vine? Listen, that I am the true vine. Well, that word true, that's an important word. Because you see, in the Old Testament... The vine is a common symbol for Israel, the covenant people of God. You can read about it in Psalm 80, Isaiah uh, 5, Jeremiah 2, for example, Ezekiel 15, if you want to jump around in your Old Testament a little bit. And most remarkable about this illusion or illustration of God's covenant people being a vine or referred to in that way, it is always the vine's failure to produce good fruit. Jesus says, in contrast to such failures, I am the true vine, meaning that Jesus is the one to whom Israel pointed and the one who will always bear good fruit. Now, Jesus has already by his words and actions superseded and surpassed the temple. Remember he said, I'll tear this thing down in three days and build it back up again. In fact, he turned to his disciples and said, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell that thing to go get in the water and it would go. He's already surpassed Moses. He told him, I'm greater than Moses. One who is greater than Abraham is here, he said. He's already surpassed the Jewish feasts. And so now he tells his friends that it is he who supersedes, this is so important, it is he who now supersedes Israel as the locus of God's work. In other words, his words changes everything because it removes Israel's ethnic and geographic designation as God's people. And places any person on the planet, listen, any person on the planet within the fabric of the family of God as long as they trust in and are connected to Jesus. Jesus is now the center of God's work in the world, not Israel. Jesus is all encompassing of the covenant people of God, not Israel. And if you are in Jesus, then you have every blessing and benefit that God ever spoke over his covenant people because the work of God has been relocated to Jesus and the people of God. That's why we can read Old Testament promises and say, I'll take that. And I'll have that one too. Why? Because Jesus is the center of God's covenant now. And so when we are in him, then we get all the benefits. The true vine is Jesus himself and those who are incorporated into him. And if the Jewish people of his day and anyone thereafter, anyone thereafter, wish to enjoy the status of being a part of God's chosen vine, then they must be rightly related to Jesus, stay connected to the vine. And yet, This replacement theme doesn't exhaust the significance of what Jesus has said. Why? Because the imagery itself suggests incorporation, mutual indwelling fruitfulness. It suggests what theologians, can I teach you for a minute? It it suggests what theologians call union with Jesus. Now union with Christ, one commentator wrote, is not a fact that we can put in our pocket but rather a key to open a door to an entirely new reality. Union with Jesus, union with Jesus is that glorious mystery that we as ordinary people, ordinary people, broke, busted, and disgusted are united with him, intertwined with him in a metaphysical union that has enabled our invitation into the community that is shared by the trinity go read john 17 you want to hear jesus unpack it go go read john 17 where he says and i pray that they would be in me as i am in you and you in them and we in you Submerge me, Lord. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Now, I said, can I teach you for a minute? The word Trinity is not in the Bible. I was shocked as well. It is not in the Bible. It is a word that theologians crafted to capture what is scripturally expressed in God's self revelation. that he shares perfect community within himself. Let me, sidebar. God is complete. He don't need you. He wants you. He wants you. But he don't need you. He wasn't sitting in the corner of the universe, man, Like I'm so lonely, I could die. You know, he... He wasn't sad. So he's like, I'm sad. I need to make some people to hang out with. No. No, he was good. It was out of an overflow of his expulsive love that he decided to share some of himself with those that he wanted to bear the beauty and the weight of his image in relationship with him. So listen, we understand then that there is one God, one God, eternally existing in three persons, sharing completely a single and divine nature, co-equal, co-eternal, one essence, one nature, one power, one action, one will. We understand that the Father is uncreated and the Son is uncreated and the Holy Spirit is uncreated. All three are eternal and without beginning. Can I give you one more? The Father and Son and Holy Spirit are not names for different parts of God, but one name for God because three persons exist in one. And they cannot be separated from one another. I love this quote by Dr. Ray Orton, and he says, I love the Christian claim that ultimate reality is not cold, dark, outer space but ultimate reality is a person in community. Bright, radiant, joyous with volcanic exuberance so irrepressible that he created us to share in his joy about who he is. You got to be smart to write that. He ends it with the implications are endless. Understanding that ultimate reality is a person in community, God 3-in-1, is important because it is foundational to Christian faith. Greater still, it is integral to us understanding that once we receive Jesus as Savior, we are invited into and incorporated in the relationship that God has with himself by virtue of us being enmeshed in Jesus. It's not that you invited Jesus into your heart. It's that he wove you into the fabric of his reality. You are one with him. The relationship between us and Jesus is intertwined in a way that we derive our life from him. We live by the life flowing from the vine, Jesus. We derive our everything from the vine, Jesus. Now, follow the metaphor. Follow the metaphor. Because we, the branches, derive all of our life from the vine, Jesus says in verse 2, because we derive our life from the vine, then what? We should bear much fruit. We should bear much fruit. Listen, understand understand that you are meant to bear fruit and make a difference. You are meant to bear fruit and make a difference. God's new community, the church, has been established, and now it must bear fruit for God. It must bear fruit for God in contrast to the fruitlessness of God's first covenant community. I was looking for it. There it is. Amen. The role of the Father is also in view here. Jesus tells us that First of all, he prunes, he, he, tr- he trims, he paints his back, every branch that does bear fruit. Mm. You thought you were being pruned because you were doing something wrong. No, you were doing something right. You we're doing something right. You thought you were being pruned because God was mad. No, you're being pruned because he sees your potential. He's gotta make room. He's gotta make room in you. He's gotta make room in this house. He prunes. And no fruit bearing branch is exempt. and his purpose is love, his purpose is love. It is so that you will be even more fruitful. But the procedure may be painful. The procedure may be painful. Tap your neighbor and say, don't despise the pruning. Don't despise the pruning. No, pruning is not fun. Pruning is not fun. Pruning is not easy. Pruning is often painful. Watch this. Pruning often looks like loss. Pruning often looks like loss. But what God is doing is making room on the plant to be able to bear more fruit. He is giving you greater capacity. He is giving me greater capacity. He is giving us greater capacity to do what we were made to do. Don't despise the pruning. Sometimes there are pruning seasons. That's when it gets hard. When it's not just a trim at a time. Now don't judge me for this. Don't judge me. But I've hired a a yard service I actually enjoy doing my own yard I would do it three hours every Saturday It was was therapy for me But when I started coaching the boys football team I was like well something got to go I I can't coach this team and take care of this yard And I remember the first time they came The first time Because I cut grass I'm not a horticulturist I cut grass That's what I do Straight lines, crisscross, whatever you need I got it But I remember the first time they came to do my yard. The first time they came, they were out there for hours. And all of my big, beautiful bushes that were growing in every which direction that they wanted to go, they trimmed everything at once. They cut it all back. And Y'all not with me today. Everything looked diminished. Everything looked less than what it should have looked like. And I said to my wife, they didn't kill it at all. And she said, no, baby. That's so that it can grow healthy. Oh, that's so that it can grow healthy. You see, if we just let it grow wild, then eventually it'll consume it. It'll consume itself. But when the gardener comes in, when Mr. Rojas comes to my house, that's his name. He got an epic, Baldemir Rojas. When Mr. Rojas shows up, he tells me, no, I'm going to get this thing right. So that, I know I'm taking a little bit too too much time here, but stay with me. I'm going to get this thing right in the pruning season so that when the growing season comes, what he said, when the growing season comes, it's going to grow how it's supposed to grow. It's going to be full and lush the way that it's meant to. Don't despise the pruning because the alternative The alternative, Jesus says, is if you're not being pruned, you're being cut off. You're being cut off. Because dead wood doesn't bear fruit. And so the purpose of Jesus' words here is to insist that there are no true practicers of the way of Jesus who have no visible fruit in their lives or who have not gone through seasons of pruning. Fruitfulness is an infallible mark of true faith. Again, the alternative is dead wood. They have no life in them what Jesus says. They've never borne fruit or else they would have been pruned and not cut off. If we need an example of dead branches that were attached to Jesus, we have to look no further than Judas Iscariot. He was attached, but he wasn't locked in. He was attached, but he wasn't intertwined. I don't really have time to teach you something. Sometimes just put an idea in your head. You know, Judas and Peter did the same thing. And it looked the same. They both betrayed him. But one was locked in. One was locked in. And so even though he failed, he repented, and when he repented, he was restored. And then when he was restored, he was fruitful. Judas, Judas, on the other hand, took his life into his hands. The ultimate fruit of self-reliance. And so the question we have to ask ourselves today, am I bearing fruit that reveals the source of my life and strength? Am I prunable? That's a made-up. I typed it four different ways to try to convince myself it was real. Because it sounds right. It's not a word. But I offer it to you today in humility. Am I prunable? Am I prunable? Now the last observation we'll make today, and then I'll land this thing, is what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? If you've read this passage, I'm I'm, I'm sure you've thought that before. What is the fruit? What is the much fruit? Well, you're keen people, so I'm sure you picked it up already, because you're smart. You probably caught it early in the message, but let me rehash it for you one more time. Fruit, fruit is an image for good results coming from the life of one who is intertwined with Jesus. In terms of, watch this, in terms of bringing benefit or value to the lives of others, fruit is the result of making a difference in the lives of others. Listen, while advancing the work of God in the world, that's what fruit is. Fruit is not material blessing, it may be if it's for the benefit of the kingdom. Fruit is not influence. It may be if it's for the advancing of the work of God. But ultimately, fruit is the result we see where what we touch has the added value of Jesus' impression and influence. That's fruit. That's fruit. Adding value to every person and every place that you encounter. Now, hearing that could feel overwhelming. Surely God does not expect me to add value and make a difference wherever I am without fail or he will otherwise cut me off. No. And that's the beauty of the gospel. God does not expect you to bear fruit on your own. In fact, he pleads with you not to. Jesus stresses the impossibility. That's what he says. You can't do anything apart from me. He stresses the impossibility of bearing fruit apart from him. The divine life, such as we see in Jesus, is dependent on God's own character, God's own power, God's own nature, God's own guidance in the life of Jesus' people. Hence, he tells us in verse 4, abide in me. Lest the point be missed, Jesus steps away from the vine imagery for just a minute and directly addresses his friends. Abide in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so this morning I'm asking you to accept that Jesus is the true source of your ability to be fruitful. It's not on you. You can't be truly fruitful. You can't make a lasting impact in the lives of others unless you remain connected to the vine. What does it mean to abide? Abide. To abide means to dwell in, to act in accordance with, to acknowledge, to conform to, to go along with. In other words, to abide in something means to steep yourself in it in a way that ultimately carries you along in the direction that it is going. It is embracing and being embraced. It is understanding that there is no you without it. That's what it means to abide. And so specific to Jesus' words, to abide in Jesus means to persist in an attitude of God consciousness and God surrender. When you say you can have it all, God, that you mean it. Every waking moment is to be lived in an awareness that God is with us and that he is actively involved and engaged in our thoughts and in our actions. As we actively and consciously tie our story our destiny, our hope, our desire, our past, our present, our future, to him and to his will, to his love, to his character, to his person, listen, to his promises, all of it will be available to you. And you will have the fullest life available. But without abiding in Jesus, Jesus says we will not have the full life that God desires for us. In nature... No branch has life within itself. You find a stick on the ground, it's not budding. Those are used for two things, pretend sword fighting and spanking. No branch has life within it. Listen, if you ain't old enough to know, we used to have to pick our switch. Is there anybody? Go, out, go on out there and pick your switch. And, and you better come back with one that whistle. Because if you don't, then she's going to go get it and it's bad for everybody. In nature, no branch has life within itself. So. Life has to come from another. I'm sorry. I'm from the country. Do know, y'all know what a switch is? Okay, I'm, I'm from the country. So I was, you know, they didn't use belts. They, they used nature. You know what I'm saying? You might not be able to afford a belt, but nature is always there. In nature, no branch has life within itself. Life has to come from another source. The branch is wholly and utterly dependent for life and fullness. From the vine to which it is attached. What is Jesus saying ultimately? He's saying that a full, fruitful, genuinely spiritual life is continually dependent, consistently reliant, persistently imbibing in the life that flows from him so Jesus says in verse 5 ultimately stay connected stay connected to Jesus so that you can do everything he has for you to do stay connected if you stay connected you'll bear much fruit if you stay connected you'll bear much fruit But the consequence of remaining unconnected is being cast out, withered, gathered, and burned. Now, John doesn't use this kind of imagery anywhere in his writing to refer to the final judgment, and so what many scholars presume, and I agree, is what John is saying here is that it was punishment enough to be separated from Christ and therefore exposed to withering and death because you're unattached. Such separation from God, the source of all light and life and love. Well, that's the essence of judgment, whether it's in the end time or not. And here in these hard-to-digest words, we see alluded to perhaps the greatest fruit that we might bear in the world. And that is our leading those who are far from God, who are detached, who are disconnected into intimate relationship with Jesus so that they might bear good fruit as well rather than being separated from him forever. Last point, if you're writing them down, fight for others to not enter the fire. That is the greatest fruit that you can bear. That is the greatest fruit that you can bear. It's fighting for others not to enter the fire. That is the greatest difference you will ever make in the world. And I'm not saying that the other things don't matter. Serve day mattered. What we did at Wheeler matters. What you do at your vocation matters. How you treat your job matters. How you serve in kids matters. Whatever you do to bear the result of good fruit matters. But nothing is greater than finding branches on the ground. And by a power that only can come from God, helping them get connected to the vine. That is the great fruit that lay before us. If you are in union with Jesus, then fighting for others to experience the same. It's an undeniable call over your life. And if you abide in Jesus, guess what? You will bring benefit and value to the world. You will. Now, if you're here in the room or joining us online and you're not yet to follow the way of Jesus, listen, I know how that can sound. And I, and I have to be honest with you. Everything in me wanted to avoid those words today. Everything in me. That part of the verse, preachers and Jesus people have avoided well. Because nobody wants to say those things. Because of the empathy that you feel toward the person sitting on the other side of them. But listen, listen if you're constrained by love then you have to say the hard things and so I have to tell you the truth today that if you are not in Jesus what hangs in the balance is your eternity not just life in this world there is no other source of eternal and abundant life only Jesus there is no other means Listen, for those of us who care about making a difference, there is no other means of making a lasting impact in the lives of others in this world, only Jesus. And you cannot, you cannot be fully who God made you to be apart from Jesus. So the question I lay before you today, if you are not a follower of him, is will you trust him? In fact, if you are, will you trust him? <laughs> Jesus loves you. And he wants you to trust in him. He wants to give you life and change your life now and forever. Quite simply, family, if we are to live a fruitful life, then we have to be connected to Jesus. And that is the call for you today, to live a fruitful life. And maybe you don't know where to get started. Guess what? Growth track step one is today. But the call is to live a fruitful life. And if that feels like too high of a hurdle today, then then maybe simply praying this week that Jesus would help you see how to truly make a difference in the lives of others will be a place for you to start. If you put it in his hands, you will make a difference. You will advance God's work in the world. You will be fulfilled. And if you don't, then you'll do nothing that makes a lasting impact in the world. Last word here. God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be. He wants Renovation Church to bear much fruit. Meaning he wants us to make a lasting and eternal difference in the world. But our ability, our ability is directly tied to our abiding. (laughs) And a vision for the world as it should be lies on the other side of God's people bearing the fruit that he's made for them to bear. Let's be those people today. Amen? Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you for the fullness of joy that accompanies your word. And I pray now that we experience the freedom that comes with surrender. In Jesus' name, amen.